0: I Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Today we're talking to a mother who experienced a birth much different and scarier than the birth she had planned for. My guest is an actor and writer who's currently finishing a feature, a psychological thriller, and planning for the arrival of her second child any week now. She's also an amazing human being. Tamara Ray, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh my goodness. I have a million things to talk to you about. I'm jumping right in. Where are you from?
1: Born in Miami. I'm Cuban, so that makes sense. But my family moved (laughs) to Texas after Hurricane Andrew. And I just kept going west after going to film school at UT Austin. Just Ah, straight line across.
0: That's why you went to Texas for film school?
1: Yeah, I did. And I love UT and I love everything about Austin and I miss it but I love it here.
0: Ah, <laughs> so what inspired you to go to film school? When did you know that was your thing?
1: I was into movies super young and was watching probably way more things than I should have been at an earlier age and just kind of fell in love with the magic of film. And I didn't know that you could even study that. I didn't know that was a thing, let alone a job you could get. But I, I always got really wondered lucky. that about
0: stand-up comedians. Like who goes to like stand-up comedy school? Like Well, who's a little kid who says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a stand up comedian? How does that happen?
1: I mean, they're wizards. I don't know. That's a whole nother level of wizardry.
0: I ended up oddly doing stand up comedy, but I did not go to school for it. And I'm always mesmerized by people who are amazing at it. And I'm just like, where's like even magician too? Like, who? I want to go to magic school. Anyway, it sounds like that's what you thought about filmmaking. Like, where can I go do that?
1: For sure. For sure. I mean, it was like Hogwarts with like difficult tests and (laughs) lots of screenwriting and like lots of experience with production, which was where I was like, oh, I love projects. And i just being with people and getting to collaborate was what kind of sealed the deal. And I was lucky that my school did a program that sent a semester abroad (laughs) in Los Angeles. Um, Yeah, exactly. So abroad, but you get to intern and do college credit and i was lucky that after interning with happy madison i got hired right afterwards so i almost 10 years later okay hold on happy. a second
0: when you went to film school because there's so many aspects of the entertainment industry did you have an idea where you wanted to land
1: it's like yes and no i was kind of just like i'll do anything i was kind of that person and then really when you're in film school you kind of pick your own track and i gravitated towards screenwriting and then I was kind of a control freak. In all my production classes, I was drawn to directing and editing and every little facet because they all affect each other. Mm -hmm. But I would say writing is the thing that has always come back time and time again, even when I don't try to pursue it. It pursues me.
0: So you like to write, but you don't want somebody to take your baby and make changes to it.
1: I have a lot more peace with that now.
0: (laughs) Oh now you're you're open to it. But that's how you started off. <laughs> All right. So then you came to Los Angeles. How'd you meet your hubby?
1: We met at a country music festival called Stagecoach in Palm Springs.
0: Country music. Um,
1: I know. You're both I, country
0: music lovers.
1: I mean, kind of. I wouldn't say it's like my absolute favorite. I mean, I love country music. He's love from festivals. Atlanta originally. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's basically Coachella, but country music. Country Coachella in the exact same thing. Yeah in the exact same venue and controller Contrella. Okay. and my friends drunkenly dared me to ask him for a piggyback ride and that's how we met
0: Well like asked him because you were giggling about that guy's cute or why him random total random like
1: total random it was like we were doing very obnoxious immature dares <laughs> like i had dared one of my friends to like this little 14-year-old boy was wearing a shirt that said, I heart motorboating. And I was like, you need to go motorboat that child. And she did. And I was like, <laughs> that, that, I'm ashamed. But, like, it's yeah, these were very random and not very proud moments.
0: <laughs> Drunken Contrella moments. Um, so he gave you a piggyback ride?
1: He gave me a piggyback ride.
0: Wow. Do you have pictures?
1: We have, like, five photos from the first three seconds we met. So
0: During the piggyback ride?
1: Uh-huh
0: amazing i gotta see these
1: we took photos of all the dares so like that was kind of (laughs) cool later
0: awesome so then you guys were together a while before you got married
1: we were together yeah four years got engaged and then we were like engaged for two years so six years all in married
0: during all that time did you discuss babies
1: i mean hypothetically we had two french bulldogs which are our babies (laughs) and then real babies just seemed like other French bulldogs at the time.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you didn't really like discuss it one way or the other.
1: Not in the realistic sense. Like in like the movie sense, <laughs> like, like, yes, one day,
0: one day we will have children. And then one you day. were, you got married and then you got pregnant. Not too long after.
1: It was about like a little over a year later. And yeah, we just happened to have 14 weddings that year. And I was like, oh, I'm going to stop birth control and it'll probably take a long, long time and it could take years. We don't know our situation and lo and behold, at this one particular wedding, my friend and I both got pregnant at the exact same wedding.
0: No kidding. Wow. That must have been a great wedding.
1: Uh, It was honestly the most incredible wedding ever and that same friend, I found out I was pregnant again this time at her house, so she keeps getting me pregnant.
0: (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a good time was had by all, if you know.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, How was your pregnancy? You're like the beginning, your first try.
1: I mean, first try was kind of the stereotypical, super rough. Honestly, it kind of hit me like a truck. I wasn't expecting just the low energy. I remember like going to a yoga class and not being able to do it. They're like, just lay down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, like okay. I always thought I couldn't do yoga, but I could do just lay down yoga.
1: And I laid there and cried. I was like, why no. can't my body do this? <laughs> just just like, literally
0: no energy? Like everything felt so heavy to you?
1: Just so nauseous and like would kind of just trigger vomit and lots of aversions. And so I just relied on my childhood foods. <laughs> and yeah, and then it lifted right around like the, the 15, 16 week mark.
0: Childhood foods like mac and cheese, PB and j all,
1: stuff, yeah, or? all the yeah, all the like, like chicken nuggets. Oh yeah. <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Grilled cheese. Grilled cheese and watching Rick and Morty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it just lifted when you got to the second trimester?
1: Yeah, it was it was like coming out of a fog. I mean, I'm so lucky and very grateful that it stopped cuz I was like I don't know how people do this and how like it's a lot. And you kind of can't tell anyone what you're going through yet or you're not supposed to. And That's so, so you're just like, this, this is so weird. I'm <laughs> they're like, what's up with you? And you're like, everything.
0: <laughs> and
1: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nothing. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, I'll be fine. So did anybody out you? People sometimes when you're like, nauseous, won't drink anymore.
1: Yeah, then the not drinking thing gave me away. I'm definitely like a Texan when it comes to that. They're like, you're not drinking. You're pregnant. And I yeah. was just like, oh, oh. <laughs>
0: You don't want to okay, say, no, well, I'm not, because that puts it onto the universe. Thing. I was just
1: like, don't, don't do that.
0: <laughs> <Right>. I'll drink. <laughs> like,
1: okay, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll drink.
0: Okay, so second trimester is better. I think that's probably when I met you.
1: Yeah, I met you um, pretty early because randomly I was also just trying to do too much. And when I was doing a nice little child's pose, my hip popped out. And you know, I was uh, referred to you by... 10 different people that don't know each other oh, wow. all saying that you are the sorcerer that's
0: not quite hundred percent many... right oh thank you i you know more comedy than sorcery but i i try my best uh 10 <laughs> different people is still not quite as many as the weddings you had that first year <laughs> exactly 14 weddings in a year it's one every three weeks
1: yeah they were like back-to-back weekends and i ended up being pregnant for a lot of them after the fact which was also not the best but
0: i, I definitely like, cool. i'm just in my mind i'm like that's so cool that you have that many friends i <laughs> have like one friend
1: well i feel like it was more like those that was the year of like all of our good family and like Jarrett was in a bunch of the weddings and i was as well and i honestly haven't had like hardly any wedding since it was like they okay. all just i feel better got married that year
0: I want to talk about your planning for birth. Let's talk about that. Did you have thoughts on what kind of birth you wanted to have?
1: It was funny, like coming into it, I remember talking to you. I was like, I want a C-section and a margarita. And then that slowly transformed to actually learning and not being super scared of birth because I was definitely scared before. And I, you know, went down the rabbit hole of like watching the business of being born and listening to your podcast and just being so excited and reading so many books. And I was seeking birth stories and seeking birth videos. And it went from not wanting to feel a thing to wanting to feel everything in the best way and kind of switched my whole game plan to a home birth with an OB at my house and a midwife and a doula and doing hypnobirthing. And I honestly really enjoyed my pregnancy after that because I was just fascinated by all of it. And if something kind of scared me, I knew that I was going in the right direction. And it usually revealed something to me about something I needed to learn along the way.
0: When you said you were scared of childbirth, were there more specific things that you were fearful of? Like, what were you afraid specifically
1: I mean, the stereotypical things you see in movies, like you're gonna poop on the table or oh, like
0: those kind of things
1: like the very dumb things like that everyone just kind of like <laughs> tries to trip you up on and it was like all those things of like oh no that can't happen to me or like i'm just scared of i think just the process in general like the, it was one of those things where i knew nothing and i was scared of what i was capable of and after growing the baby and doing all of it, you just kind of get stronger along the way and well, you realize kind of, how much- uh,
0: amazing to watch your transformation. Just, um, you know, yeah, fearful, anxious, and then just really getting confident and excited and sort of pregnancy glowy not to be uh stereotypical but you just really glowed a lot and you're always smiling and just seem very peaceful and happy in your own pregnancy it, just in a nice way a really sweet way your own pregnancy world it was just like you had your own weather around you and it was mm-hmm. always like 72 and sunny let's take a quick break and then when we come back we'll talk about your actual birth i'll be right back with Tamara May. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered... Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Tamara Ray, and you were nervous, anxious, fearful about birth. But it sounds like mostly from a place of not really knowing what to expect and what your options were. And then you got excited about birth, and instead of planning the cesarean with a margarita, you uh, planned for a home birth with who knows what kind of drinks. (laughs) And uh, you had a whole team ready to go, right? So your team was an OB.
1: Yeah, I've uh, met with Dr. Fishbein and really connect with him. And my midwife was Beth Cannon, and I absolutely love her. And after taking hypnobirthing with Alicia Tambury, I mean, honestly, that was like the most magical thing ever. Like, it blew my mind. And I was like, this is what I want. And I wanted you too, but you're you're very busy. <laughs>
0: well, who knows? I never got the phone call. We'll find out how your birth <laughs> unfolds. But, uh, you know, if you had called, I would have done anything I could to get there. I had a Uber helicopter on reserve to just shuffle me over there. So one thing before we get into your birth, I will say, you know, I am lucky to work with a really nice people. I'm lucky to help amazingly nice people through their pregnancy journeys and have great colleagues. And I say sometimes on the podcast, this is an amazing human being. You are an amazing human being. And I don't just say that because one day you walked into the office with a whole bag of baked goods out of nowhere. Um, but this is like one of the random things you would do. That's just a total surprise for no reason in particular. I just I got you these and we were weird. We have this whole kosher diet. It's hard to shop for us. You brought all kosher stuff. It was kind of amazing. You're a very special person. Okay.
1: Well, thank you. I think the exact same about you and you. your whole wellness practice has been the cornerstone of my self-care. And I didn't even know that I never did self-care until I met you guys and i didn't realize how mandatory it was in my life and i hope to always continue that with you guys whether or not i'm having babies
0: <laughs> same i mean it's just it's a win win and okay we can go on forever no you hang up no you hang up no you hang up okay. <laughs> but back to your birth so how did it start
1: kind of like a movie my husband was out of town and he traveled a lot for work but it was just before term i was at 36 weeks and 4 and Kind of started having some cramping and some spotting, and I kind of was like, everyone's like, Oh, your body's just preparing. But I reached out to my midwife, and
0: how far long were you?
1: 36 weeks and four days.
0: Okay, so just a little bitty bit before term, 37 weeks. And what did your
1: midwife Well, all the spotting and the cramping stopped, and my best friend was over with me, and we were kind of just watching rom-com movies but we listened to the baby on the doppler for 10 minutes everything just calmed down and then the next morning around like six in the morning i felt the trickle or the gush it's i mean it's a notable feeling (laughs) and i went to go check it out and i was like hmm this is interesting and that's when i reached out to dr Fishbine. he's like I don't know. I was like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm not sure. Actually. I was like, this kind of didn't seem like a big enough thing. And then it happened again. And he's like, all right, I'm going to head over just to check things out.
0: And this is six o'clock in the morning.
1: Six o'clock in the morning.
0: And was he the first one to come over?
1: Yeah. He just by chance lived super close. And he's like, cause he could do a test to see if there was any amniotic fluid or not. And because if not, then, you know, keep going, keep going. And if so, then, hey, baby's going to (laughs) come. So So um,
0: you were just having like little gushes or you having contractions
1: at that point. None.
0: So just gushes of fluid,
1: just gushes of fluid and everything was super chill. And um, he came by and confirmed that there was amniotic fluid and he's like, but I still wasn't having contractions. So he's like, I have like a little guest room office. He's like, I want to go chill in here and just kind of wrap up some paperwork, rest, or like, you know, you have a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool.
0: <laughs> I mean, and, uh, was there any concern at all because it wasn't quite term yet or you were just close enough that it, nobody really worried about that?
1: Um, Because, I mean, I had a very uneventful pregnancy to where everything just kind of really went right. and. He wasn't worried. He was thinking, like, this could—we had plenty of time. Jarrett was on his way home. He felt confident about doing the birth that close to term, and I trusted him 100%. So at that point in time, I was just excited mm-hmm. and hopped in the shower, Aww. doing my last little baby dance. And
0: <laughs> Was Jarrett on the way home because you were having these gushes, or was he on the way home anyway?
1: He was on the way home anyway, but bumped up his flight to the first flight in the morning just because mm-hmm. I was having cramping and spotting, and that was not the usual, and so he bumped it up by, like, an hour and a half, and if he hadn't done that, and I even told him not to, which is silly, but <laughs> he, if he hadn't done that, he would have missed it.
0: Okay, so what happens next, then?
1: Doing my, like, chill dance thing, have music on I'm with my, like, best friend, I, like, I'm kind of dead set on like this water birth. I'm like, I know I've envisioned it. This is how it's going to be. I see it. And I'm just like wanting to be in the water (laughs) at all times.
0: But still not having contractions.
1: Like barely, like really honestly, like they felt like period cramps and nothing crazy. And I was doing the hypnobirthing thing, but just really kind of enjoying it. I was just excited. Uh-huh. And when I was in the tub, I was like drinking a smoothie and I was like, I can't believe like, this is going to be it. And kind of out of nowhere, I felt like I was going to vomit. And I was like, I think I'm going to throw up. Uh-huh. And she's like, really? And I was like, yeah, can you get something? And so uh-huh. she's like, I'm going to go tell Dr. Fishbine. Cause he was 10 feet away. And he was like, um, let's get you out of the tub. I know you're like relaxing but let's get you out and let's check you and just um and he had had an ultrasound on me at the house so everything was pretty smooth up until that point and so of course I throw up and <laughs> so I stand up and I start having bleeding which in my mind I wasn't panicked but I knew it wasn't normal and at that point I hadn't seen any blood and he's like okay we're gonna Move you check you and the the bleeding stopped pretty quickly. It wasn't like it just kept going. It was like boom and done and Got me out checked me. He's like, okay, you're at eight centimeters (gasps) And I mean I'm feeling contractions, but they're at least over seven minutes apart Mm -hmm. But they're still not crazy I mean, I was definitely in my own world like I went into my own planet, but we were watching my daughter's name is penny we were listening to her on the ultrasound and during that first contraction, her heart decelerated a little bit and he was like, I'm going to watch again. So he watched again and he's like, I don't like the variation I'm seeing because I feel like we should transfer just to be safe. And he's like, you're not at 10 centimeters. So I don't know how long it'll take you to get there. If it'll be quick, if it won't be quick. And Jarrett walked in the door right that second. Holy cow. And he's like, Hey, I think we should transfer. And he goes, and if she goes as quickly as she's, this was less than four hours.
0: So like 10 AM?
1: Yeah, it was 10 AM.
0: How did you transfer?
1: Well, at this point I'm like kind of coming out of my hypno birthing place. And he's like, I think we should call an ambulance in case she ends up having the baby on the way, like if they need something. Mm. And I was like, okay. And we kind of just said, okay, okay, and just went with it. And my doula and midwife hadn't even made it to my house yet.
0: Oh, wow. So it um, just you and Dr. Fishman and Jarrett and your friend.
1: And my friend. And so we call an ambulance. They're there five minutes later and um, in my robe and on my way to the hospital.
0: <laughs> and it, was the ride uneventful or were things happening on the way?
1: I was definitely having contractions and now that I wasn't in my like peaceful space and now that my home birth kind of just went out the window, I was definitely like, you know, like it's almost like everything was happening in slow motion. And I was like, Oh, well, and you stopped caring. You're like, okay, well, my baby's still coming. Everything's going to be okay. We ended up going not to Cedars, which was the plan. We ended up going to St. Joe's cause it was closer to our house and we just kind of got very unlucky at that point to kind of get met with a emergency room laborist who had a lot of judgments and a lot of negativity and wouldn't speak to my doctor or my husband and was like very confused by me. And she kept saying I would compromise the health of my baby over and over again. And I, in the moment knew that whatever was happening wasn't about me. And I just kind of stayed very calm and, Luckily, my doula got to the hospital and was able to kind of get me back into a calmer state. And my nurse had worked with Dr. Fishbein. So she was in great communication with me and him. And at that point, I was at 10 centimeters.
0: Why did she say jeopardize just because you had planned a home birth or?
1: I think it was, yeah, the judgment of coming in in a robe and... Maybe she thought I was trying to birth at home by myself. I mean, who knows what her assumptions were. I think she was just more worried and trying to, like, protect herself in case something went wrong.
0: Yeah. Liability. It's
1: my best guess. Yeah. You had to push liability off of herself.
0: They, but yeah, so they, she wasn't they checked her cervix and they found her 10 centimeters. Were they monitoring the baby?
1: Mm-hmm. So her heart was decelerating, but I was like feeling the whole ring of fire and I was like, I'm going to push. And my nurse was like, okay. And as soon as I started pushing, I mean, I even heard it on the monitor. She like grabbed my arm and she's like, she told me to stop because her heart rate just like plummeted. Oh, wow. And at that point they're like, we recommend a C-section immediately. And I looked at my husband, my doctor, they were both like, yes. And I go, yes, let's go. And my laborist was like nowhere to be found for like 15 minutes. Like the anesthesiologist was even waiting on her. Like he was sitting there with me. But long story short, she was out within 30 minutes of me arriving at the hospital. And I heard her cry three times. I saw the most beautiful look on my husband's face And, I mean, you feel everything. It's almost like without, with like zero pain. It's like you can feel them leave you. It wasn't the experience I planned on at all. But all of that kind of melted away the second she was existing Earthside. And I kind of expected that to be like, okay, and now she's going to go in my arms and we're going to go back to plan A. And things just kind of took a turn after that.
0: Oh, my it's sort of not the birth you were planning after you changed your plan.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Originally,
0: minus the margarita, you were planning on a cesarean. Let's take another break. And when we come back, we'll find out what happens next. <laughs> Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Tamara Ray and your planned home birth took a quick turn when your doctor who was going to deliver with you at home saw that the baby's heart rate was decelerating during your contractions. So you called an ambulance, went to the hospital, got a really judgy hospitalist there, but, you know, they checked you. You had progressed to 10 centimeters ready to push, and the baby was on the monitor, still kind of decelerating during your contractions. You gave a big push. The baby really reacted negatively to that, decided to... Quickly go for a cesarean and the baby was out. You heard some cries and then you said things took a turn again. What happened?
1: So I just want to preface that my little girl is thriving and doing incredible. So the story has a very happy ending. But um, my husband went to see my daughter. She gripped onto his finger and he was like kind of giving me the play by play because you're on the table, you're not moving. And I couldn't like see. And they're like, hey, we're gonna take her. Um, like her coloring was like not as red and like she was having some trouble breathing. So I was like, Okay, go. And I just told my husband, I was like, Go, go with her, go. And at that moment I knew nothing. And we didn't know anything for a little bit, because they didn't exactly know for a little bit. But very long story short is they deemed that I had a placental abruption
0: at some that mean? point during
1: labor. Well, depending on the person and depending on the case, it can mean a lot of things, but it just means when your placenta detaches or separates, or I guess it can also mean like broken blood vessels within your placenta. It can mean a detachment from your umbilical cord to your placenta. It can mean a lot of things, but in the case of mine, they couldn't even like really pinpoint exactly what happened, but I had a very strange placenta. A normal placenta is one lobe-ish, I mean, I think you probably know more about this than I do, but my placenta had four. Four lobes? And the umbilical cord was kind of attached to my placenta where muscle fascia was, and it wasn't really connected to an exact lobe. Hmm. So it was a very strange placenta, according to my doctor and midwife. They're like, I have never seen this before.
0: So when labor started, is it because the baby kind of pulled away from your placenta that that faulty cord, or they don't know? No idea. Okay, but somehow the placenta stopped functioning.
1: Well, and they they don't think that it was like, oh, it stopped functioning completely because obviously for – I mean, I don't think she would have survived had it done that. So I think, like, aspects of it were still functioning. Just I think she was losing blood slowly. Hmm. Um, so when she was born, she was missing about, like, a third of her blood volume. Oh, wow. And – was oxygen deprived, because that's how they get their oxygen, is through your placenta. So she went into immediate cooling. Luckily, St. Joe's had that option and was diagnosed with HIE, which is known as hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy.
0: Did Ah, I say that? You said it right. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, Unfortunately, it's a terrible thing to happen, right? So that's um, essentially newborn brain damage that's caused by not having enough oxygen or blood flow.
1: Yeah, Well, um, her doctor did a great job of kind of explaining it of just when certain seals dive down to depths of the ocean, they hold their breath and all of their blood goes to their brain and their heart to protect those things first. So you'll start to have multiple organ failure. And then if it gets to a really bad point, it'll affect the heart and then the brain. And she was uncooling for three days. And things kind of got worse and worse and she was having kidney failure and not having any output of fluids so she started swelling and at that point we transferred to children's la and things got a little bit worse before they got better but then every day after that was just like a little tiny miracle step in the right direction
0: wow i can't imagine but with the days going by you don't have information were they able to give you a prognosis
1: Not right away. I mean, I have a funny story. But the first like 24 hours, this NICU had a like a webcam so you can see your baby because I couldn't get up yet. So they give me like a little login and long story short, I'm watching this baby and I'm like, not feeling very connected to it. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, man, I can't even recognize my own baby. And it turns out I'm watching this baby for like seven hours, and then this woman starts breastfeeding it, and I'm like, oh my god! (laughs) Um, And I send my husband down there, and I'm like, this woman's feeding my baby! And they turn off the cameras, and I'm just like sitting there like a soap opera, but like the camera's been turned off, and the camera finally comes back on like 40 minutes later, and it is my baby, and it was instant, like I knew it. Um, And she was hooked up to way more machines, and they're like, we're really sorry, we had it on the wrong baby.
0: I mean, look, now we know that Penny's healthy and beautiful and thriving, right? Um, How long was that process?
1: Very long. I mean, even when we got to Children's LA, they were talking to us about quality of life and how she could have no brain activity and how she may never walk or eat on her own or breathe on her own. And we were having very serious conversations about very big things, and I just... Definitely gave myself moments to totally break down, but I kind of would only give myself five or 10 minutes and then I had to go back into fight mode because I had little angel fighting harder than I ever could. So I like it was very easy to go into that. Definitely had to do a lot of processing and healing after we got out of the hospital. But
0: how, how long was she in the hospital for?
1: A little bit over a month. So we were actually not there as long as they projected us to be. Again, you- it was left the hospital
0: was there a better prognosis
1: yes so by the time we left she had gotten off of oxygen and her kidneys started functioning so she started having output but her kidney levels were still not regular or in range yet she had started eating on her own so it changed my whole journey of nursing right away like she didn't even get breast milk for about six days Cause she was just on IVs
0: hmm.
1: and they started doing a feeding tube. So was, you start pumping right away and you don't know if you're going to get to feed your baby and it's a crazy thing. And luckily she started feeding more and more and then took a bottle. And then once she was drinking breast milk, honestly, everything just started coming full circle and all of her brain scans. I mean, her neurologist was like, with babies, their brains have so much neuroplasticity It's really hard to say like, she's like, we're not seeing like big blanket spots of damage. We're seeing kind of just like across the board that things were affected. They go, we won't even know how this affects her until she's older. But the fact that she was breathing on her own and eating on her own and she had a very strong latch, like to where she was doing some reflexive things and then some things that were very telling that obviously her brain was working in some ways because you can't do all those things without it working.
0: I know you said you gave her breast milk. Were you able to breastfeed her, or did you have to pump and bottle feed?
1: We had to start off bottle feeding, and the process went into I had to dry breastfeed her first, so I'd have to pump first, Mm -hmm. and then let her practice essentially latching without milk because I didn't know if she'd be able to regulate the flow on her own, if it'd be too much. And then luckily she really took to that, and I was so relieved because that's something I really wanted and prayed for and, and envisioned as well. So we pretty much from that point on had to do a lot of bottle feeding and then I would kind of also nurse her as well, but we had to really keep track of her feeds and how much she was eating because she was born smaller and her growing was a huge priority.
0: How big was she at birth?
1: She was five pounds and four ounces.
0: Oh, little. You know, I could talk to you forever in your stories, you know, there's so many elements to it from your initial plans to how it came through. And um, I mean, in retrospect, it seems like your doctor at home just realized quickly that things needed to be in a hospital and you transported very quickly by ambulance with not a whole lot of time, just ended up in a place where they were able to get Penny out quickly you know, one of the areas where medicine, I think, has really advanced is uh, the neonatal care, NICU care. And all the things that you mentioned from neonatal cooling onward are just modern marvels that um, help us really save these babies. And so incredible. I think that combined with your fighting spirit and Penny's fighting spirit really pulled her through. I wonder two things. How do you recover from that emotionally? You know, once she's okay, that's one thing. What does it take for you to be okay again?
1: Oh, good question. I was kind of lucky to find a couple. I honestly was like looking at Instagram and like looking at hashtags for like HIE baby and just looking up things. And I happened to find some moms who planned on home births, who did emergency C-sections, who had babies diagnosed with HIE and their babies are doing well as well. And I found... Kind of this network of women who had older kids who had been diagnosed three years prior and are leading healthy happy for the most part you would say normal lives but i would say the biggest help honestly was therapy and i have no problem saying that your wife is the most wonderful postpartum therapist i could have ever found because i couldn't leave the hospital and i didn't know how to remotely start processing And it's hard because even once you're home, you are very anxious about anything ever happening again. And every new mom is probably anxious to a degree. And then mine just kind of got the heat turned up. So we had to quarantine at home for about four months afterwards, just until she was big enough to remotely even start going to receive shots or any of that kind of stuff. Because she wasn't even 10 pounds until she was around four months
0: Um, And you said quarantine, but this is way before the pandemic. This is your own personal quarantine. Oh,
1: this is before quarantining was a thing. And I mean, I was just so happy to be home with her. I mean, all these things that seem like huge, huge things, you realize like they matter, but they don't matter as much as the baby in your arms. So you just like, honestly, she pulled me through. My husband pulled me through. I mean, we have still been on that roller coaster since and it's something that has affected us both so differently and we processed very differently but just penny getting healthier every day was like the thing kind of driving us through and obviously now being pregnant again yeah. i thought i had processed most of it and you know some little things creep back up here and there
0: i mean how could they not for how sure could they not i mean if they didn't i would question your humanness I mean, you're just human and those experiences and memories are with you forever, you know, and it's great that Penny pulled through and that you've done a lot of healing, but it's part of who you are forever.
1: I mean, it's crazy how meant to be some of the things were and a lot of the synchronicity of what happened and where it's brought me now and her and even with this next pregnancy. Yeah, I'm super grateful, but it's also taught me like, It's okay to be like the power of the word and like you can be extremely grateful and like mad and have rage about what happened and be sad and depressed about what happened. And I definitely had to process all of the very real things that I kind of didn't get to in the hospital. I mean, they definitely didn't go anywhere. I had to unpack those bad boys. And I'm sure I'm still doing that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a very long process. I just wonder, I mean, we're at the end of our time here, but you're in your third trimester now again. Yes. Do you, I'm almost afraid to ask, but do you have a plan for how to get this baby out of you?
1: I do have a plan because of the high risk nature of everything that happened last time. We are going to be at a hospital And because now that we know to look for certain things for me as well, with my more in-depth anatomy scans, my placenta is presenting as in multiple lobes again. Hmm. I was also diagnosed with gestational diabetes this time around.
0: Just to add to the Uh,
1: mix. You know, which was super terrible at first. And then after about four days of being really mad about it, I was like, oh man, I wish I kind of ate like this all the time. I feel wonderful.
0: Oh, that's nice. So I guess no cookies for me this time. But are you just controlling it with diet and exercise or are you taking medication yes, too? Yes,
1: super lucky just getting to control a diet and exercise. And honestly, like I felt an immediate shift in my energy once I wasn't kind of fueling the glucose monster in the wrong ways. And um <laughs> I mean, I honestly knew none of this. So it's really just an opportunity of a lot of education. And I know she was on your podcast, but Kelly Levesque is a huge, huge source of information about all things diet and
0: body love. Yeah.
1: Body love. She's amazing. Yeah, I think it's just been eye-opening to so realize that there's so many options.
0: You said you because of that and also your placenta-looking multi-level again and also your, your experience with Penny, you'll be at a hospital mm-hmm. with an Correct. obstetrician.
1: Correct. And depending on – they're doing another anatomy scan as I get to the very end because I'm, I'm at 34 weeks now, so a little closer to 37. We'll do another one and – it's looking like I may have to do a C-section, which I'm at peace with, but I might also, depending on how things really present at the end, could have the option for a back. So we're taking that one day at a time. But I just know that obviously this time has already been extremely different. We're having a boy this time around and everything's been different except for my really cool supportive team taking care of me, which is you and all of the best parts of my last pregnancy. Like I kept that through this one. And honestly, that's been really healing as well.
0: I mean, I, I thought you were amazing before any of these things happened, but you know, to live through that experience and to still just every time I see you, you're always so positive. And I don't know you just seem to focus on the half full, even when it's three quarters empty. So I'm inspired by you for that. It sounds like you know, with birth getting closer now, if I'm reading you correctly, it sounds like you've made your peace with whichever birth, you know, if it's going to be cesarean, it'll be cesarean. if it's going to be vaginal, if it's safe to try vaginal, you'll try, but you're okay either way.
1: Yeah. I feel like I've, I mean, I thought I knew this before, but I know that they definitely choose the way that they come. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being prepared and having all the knowledge of what you want is very important and things will go differently in some aspect. It could be small, it could be big, but yeah, like women are incredible and it's opened my eyes to every single mom around me and every human walking around. I'm like, you're a miracle. Like (laughs) everyone's a miracle. so
0: true. I mean, that's the truest of all hashtags. Women are, Amazing. Moms are amazing. Even working in ambulances and emergency rooms, you see people sometimes suffering. And how many times I've heard somebody say, "Uh, I just want my mom. You know, it's just so powerful what you do. All of you. All right. I really am super grateful for you joining me on the podcast and sharing your story with our audience. I know that these stories are sometimes hard for people to share. And they're so personal and also hard sometimes to listen to, especially if you're pregnant. But I do know because we get emails and social media messages from people who end up in a similar situation. You know, these things happen. Birth is not perfect and complications arise. And when other people find themselves in a similar situation like you did, you found other people who had HIE and and their babies were doing well. Those are the messages that we get. People who find themselves in that situation or a family member or a friend and um, somebody just coming forth so open and honest like you really helps them tremendously. So I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're healthy and Penny's healthy. I'm excited for this upcoming birth for you. And hopefully you'll come back and share your second birth story.
1: I would love that.
0: I hope it'll just be all super amazing and exciting. There were so many twists and turns. We never expected this great thing to happen.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's like two ways to look at everything. And I mean, I'm very grateful for even what would be said as bad because it brought me here. And I just know this time will be different. Different how? I don't know. But I'll let you know. (laughs) We will
0: know very soon. I'm sending you the most positive energy and vibes for an incredible birth.
1: Thank
0: you. And as always, who knows if they'll even let me in during the pandemic. But if you call, I will come running right over, especially since (laughs) you'll be very close to my house. Um, All right. Thanks again for joining us at home. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have questions or topic suggestions, believe it or not, I read them all. You can write to info and informedpregnancy.com.
1: I got a whole lot of questions for you. This kid's gonna test my will. I got a lot to learn, and my babies do.
0: <laughs> this episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike Dr. Mom Butt Bum. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash.